0: Today, we're in the middle of a series called From Dream to Destiny. And how many of you believe that God has a purpose in your life? Okay? Now, you know, I'll tell you what, man. That, the, the whew, If I see another stupid post on Facebook, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to slam my computer on the ground and just puke all over it because I'm, I'm just sick of the, the insanity that I am seeing of the Word today. Let me, let me tell you this. A half-truth is not the whole truth. Amen? A half-truth really is not even a truth because it, it doesn't show the other half. And, and today, I'm watching people use Scripture in a, in, a, in, a, in a, let's say, a half-hearted mode, okay? They're using it halfway, and they're not seeing the completeness of what God's desire is in the Scripture. And, uh, and, and, and Christians are so bad about going from one extreme to the other. We see an extreme, we don't like that extreme. So, so in defense of it, we're going to be extreme on the total opposite wrong polar end of, of the extreme that we don't like. You hear what I'm saying? And, and remember this, is that truth is suspended between two extremes. And what we need to seek is not the, the, the wisdom of the world or the ways of the world. We need to read the Bible and get the big picture, get totality of truth in God's scripture and so, so we believe that God has a destiny for us. And, and at some point in our life, He gives us a dream that, that is to influence us and to inspire us to seek the destiny that God wants in our lives. And so uh, I want you to go to Genesis 39, verse 1 through 6. We're going to read, and then we're going to read verse 23 of the same chapter. And this is about Joseph. It says, Now Joseph had been brought down to Egypt... And Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the guard, an Egyptian, had had bought him from the Ishmaelites, who had brought him down there. It says, The Lord was with Joseph, and he became a successful man. Now, what does it say in that sentence? Who was with Joseph? And what happened to Joseph? He became a successful man. And he was in the house of his Egyptian master, His master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord caused all that he did to succeed in his hands. So Joseph found favor in sight and attended attended him, and he made him overseer of his house and put him in charge of all that he had. From the time that he made him overseer in his house and over all that he had, the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for whose sake? Joseph's sake. The blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in all in his house and field. So he left all that he had in Joseph's charge, and because of him, he had no concern about anything but the food that he ate. And so we see this, this, uh, this Potiphar, he's a captain of the guard, he's a man of stature, you know, under Pharaoh. He puts Joseph in his service, and because Joseph had the favor of God on him, he was blessed. And because he was blessed, all that he did was blessed. And the Egyptian recognized this, and he pretty much just let him take care of everything. I mean, why wouldn't you? I mean, you're like, this guy has a favor upon him, and I want this favor to bless me as well. And then when you go to verse 23, it says this. We know that Joseph, what happened later? He goes to prison. So he goes from being a servant... To being the head servant. Then he goes and then he gets accused of, of making a pass at Potiphar's wife, which was false, and he goes to prison. And in prison it says that he he had favor in prison, and that he became the, the head over all the other prisoners. And verse twenty three it says the keeper of the prison paid no attention to anything that was in Joseph's charge, because why? The Lord was with him. And whatever he did, the Lord made it succeed. So what do we see here? If God's with you, then things are favorable for you. Things are blessed for you. Things have the opportunity to prosper. Okay? Now, we've got to get the right perspective on prosperity. We have to get the correct understanding of what the Word says about us prospering. Because, here's the deal, how many of you have heard of the prosperity gospel? I know you have, if you're awake, I mean, you've heard of this prosperity gospel. We have to to learn to address what is true and what is not true, but in addressing what is not true, we can't go to the absolute other side. Because today, people are saying, oh, the prosperity gospel, that's the devil. But what they're doing is, in, 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 in attempting to fight that, they're basically telling the world that it doesn't behoove you any to serve and obey God. Now, I just totally disagree with that. But let me. here's how you keep it in the correct perspective. Because Joseph was successful because God was with him. But, but let me show you this. But the fact that he was a servant and then he was in prison, well, that kind of goes against the, the prosperity movement anyway, the prosperity gospel anyway. Because Joseph would have spent his days going... I'm not claiming that I'm a servant today. I'm not claiming that I'm in prison today. But the fact is, you're a servant and you're in prison today. It don't matter how much positive affirmation you throw out there. But the prosperity gospel, how do we keep it based on truth and not the prosperity gospel? How do we keep it the actual biblical gospel? Well, first of all, prosperity gospel is this. It's God submitting to my will instead of me submitting to God's will. That's what the prosperity movement proclaims. It says, hey, I want it, I'm going to snap my finger God's going to do it. That's not how God works. See, prosperity gospel makes it about me and not about me submitting to God and His will. Uh, It's also about seeking the gifts rather than God. What does God want more than anything? God wants us to love Him. God wants us to seek Him. And the Jeremiah 29, 11, we have to understand the plans, I believe this, the plans and the will for God for us are good. They're for a hope. But here's the deal. He's not going to bless us at the expense of us loving Him and trusting Him and obeying Him and walking Him. He wants us to be in a relationship with Him. And the Bible describes Him as a perfect father. And what perfect father doesn't want to bless and love his kids? But also as a perfect father, it says that he disciplines them that he loves. And he does it because it's a sign that we are his children. And this positive confession needs to quit being positive confession, and it needs to be the confession of the truth of the Word of God. Sharissa, I mean, sharissa has been sick and had all these injuries, but you know what? She still knows that God loves her and God has a purpose for her. And she'll have people come up to her and say, she'll she'll say, I have a headache. And people say, don't claim that. She's like, look, I got a headache. And it's because of this headache that I'm praying and seeking to God to heal me of this headache. You see, because if we had the power within ourselves just to fix things like that, we wouldn't need God for nothing. We need God. Everything is to promote a relationship and a seeking after God. You know, we come to worship here today. We don't worship based on the feeling that we get. But here's the deal. I've learned that even when I don't feel well, that God is good, that He's worthy, that He's done enough good in my life, and it don't matter if He ever does another good thing in my life, He's still worthy of my praise. He's still worthy of my worship. And the the, the biggest thing that prosperity gospel fails in is this, is it puts the now above the later. It puts this little bitty, Life, This little short temporal suffering that Peter calls it Above the eternity that Jesus died to give us Jesus died more to give us than anything we'll ever receive in this lifetime Jesus died to give us an eternity in the presence of Jehovah God Forever and ever and ever That's why Jesus died He didn't die so your little boy could be on a winning football team. He didn't die so that the American way could prevail amongst all the nations. He died for His kingdom, not the kingdoms of this world. That's why Jesus died. And I'm going to tell you this, other than the prosperity gospel, we have the modern day zealot. You know what the zealots did? First of all, they provided somebody to choose over Jesus so that Jesus could die. You know, Barabbas was a zealot. And the zealots, had, the zealots believed that the Messiah was coming. But they believed that when Jesus came, that he was going to whip all the Romans and set them free, and that they weren't going to be under the, the civil government that they didn't want anymore. First of all, I want to say this, that the Bible clearly states that God created civil government for our good. And it says to honor them in as much as it doesn't require us to defy the faith that God has Asked us to walk in. It says to pay taxes to these civil governments. Why? Because they got to eat too while they're taking care of us. And so we today, I'm seeing people become modern zealots. They're using God's name to stand for what they think ought to happen, the way they think things ought to be done, and the way things they think needs to happen for them in this life. That is not the way it goes. You see, the zealots then, they were just, they were unhappy when Jesus actually showed up. Matter of fact, they were so unhappy, they didn't even realize that was Jesus. And then they revolted against the Romans, had their butts handed to them, and the temple got destroyed all because of the zealots. And today, we have modern-day zealots that are about their agenda, And all they do is they don't proclaim the goodness in the gospel of God. They whine and they bellyache about their rights and about what they think is wrong. And all they're doing is causing problems and not solving anything. But they're putting God's name on it. And they call the pastor saying, Pastor, will you approve of this message? Heck no, I'm not running for any elections. The only message I'm approving is the word of God. And we've got to understand this, that God is with those that are with Him. If God is for us, who can be against us? Amen? But let me tell you something. That doesn't matter if it's a good, thing, a good day or a bad day, whatever. We follow God. We serve God. We obey God. But see, the thing is, is that in, 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 in a stand against the prosperity gospel, it's, it's, it's kind of almost like people are saying, what's the point in obeying God? But I'm going to tell you this, is that God uses rewards to motivate people to serve Him. The Bible says that Jesus is coming and He's going to repay the, the, the good and the bad that have been done. He said He's even going to repay the good that's been done within the body. So there are rewards in heaven. Paul, let me read this to you in, in 1 Timothy 4.8. This, this, this is what we need to do to keep us, keep us square and keep us honest and keep us focused. First Timothy 4.8 says this, For while bodily training is of some value, in other words, working out is of some value. And the older you get, I was talking to Dwight earlier, you've got to work out more, right? And eat less. So for while bodily training is of some value, godliness. What is godliness? Godliness is me trusting and obeying and doing what God says, amen? When I'm godly, what am I doing? I'm reading the Word and I'm saying, okay, God, this is the way you say to do it, I'm going to do it. It says, is of value in every way. In every way. So is there any way where godliness isn't of some value? No, it's, it's of value in every way as it holds promise for the present life. So is it worth, is, is, there, is there value, is there reward in living godly in this present life? Yes. And also for the life to come. This saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. So how much did you accept this? Fully. It says, for to this end we toil and strive because we have our hope set on the living God. Our hope is set on the living God. You know, it's, it's not about what He can do for us. It's, it's, I mean, that's part of it. That's the rewards of it. But, but we toil and we strive to seek a, a relationship and a walk and a partnering with God, knowing that through God, all things work together for the good of those that love Jesus. And there is, there is value in it in this present life as well as in eternity. But don't value the present life over the eternity. Because you will cut yourself so short. You will, you will sell yourself out and not pursue what God wants you to pursue for future relevance. So Joseph was successful because God was with him. But here's the deal. Let me tell you something about Joseph. Joseph, Joseph didn't get up and say, God, I'm not, profess- I'm not claiming any of this. And God just said, okay, let me change it for you. From the time he was 17 to his 30s, he was faithful to God despite where he was. Whether he was in a pit, whether he was in the palace, and whether he was in the prison it didn't matter where he was he was faithful to god wherever he was and so i want you to see this is 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 for for us the word prosper it's not about get rich and all these other things it's about moving forward okay it's about being successful now the success though has to be tied to the will of god the success can't be about us it's about god how do you want me to be successful To do what you have created me to do. Because if your success is about you, then how are you going to partner with God to fulfill the will that he has for you? You know, to partner with God means you've got to understand what is your will and what is my place in that. And what does it look like for me to succeed in that, Father? The Bible says he will never leave us or forsake us. It says that he's given us his spirit to give us the power and the authority to accomplish what he wants to accomplish in and through us. And so, what is, the, what is the key to this happening? I mean, so we see here that the key to prospering is the presence of the Lord. I, w- I want to read this. It's, it's, this is the New King James Version, okay? But I want to make a point here. Prosperity isn't a bad word, okay? Prosperity isn't a bad word. It's the understanding of prosperity that makes it the truth or makes it a lie. And so, Genesis 26, 12 through 13, in the New King James Version, it says this Then Isaac sowed in the land and reaped in the same year hundredfold. It says, And the Lord blessed him. It says, The man began to prosper and continued prospering until he became very prosperous. So, the word uses the word prosper, okay? So so prosper can't become a dirty word. It has to be an understanding of what it is and what it's for. And it's for God and it's for God's glory and it's for the purposes that we serve in His life. I mean, that'd be a kind of a bum deal if said, Hey, I want you to build my kingdom, but I ain't going to help you one bit. God will help us if we're seeking to build His kingdom. Now, if you're seeking to build your own kingdom, you're kind of on your own. But if you have this prosperity mentality that, well, my life ain't going like I planned it, well, then, heck yeah, God's going God's to gonna be puzzling to you, and you're gonna, you're gonna, your faith is going to waver because Satan is like he was when he was standing there looking at Eve, going, is that what God really said? And you're going to believe a lie and exchange it for the truth. 1 Samuel eighteen twelve says, Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with him, but had departed from Saul. Saul knew that, that God left him... And Saul knew that David had the presence of God with him. Now, why did God depart from Saul? Because Saul disobeyed and disobeyed and disobeyed. God would say, Saul, I want you to do this. And God didn't miss any details. He would say, I want you to go in there. I want you to take this, this, uh, this city. I want you to destroy it. I want you to kill the donkeys. I want you to kill the sheep. And I want you to kill the king. And what, what did Saul do? He went in there and killed the, half the people. He kept all the animals and he spared the king. And, and 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 Samuel the prophet, when he walked up, he said, "What is this blading of sheep I hear? And who is this king that is still alive?" And it said that Samuel Samuel obeyed God, and Samuel got a sword, and it said he hacked the king into pieces. He said, "I'm here to do, I'm here to finish what you didn't finish because God told you to do." And then and, and 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 Saul would not listen to God. He was proud. See, he he didn't pass the he didn't pass the pride test. He didn't pass the pit test, and he didn't pass the palace test, because here he is, he is the king. He's in charge of the palace, but he refuses to steward it the way God has asked him to steward it. And because of that, it says he lost the blessing of God. And it says God went to David. And in verse, uh, two verses later in 1 Samuel 18 and 14, and you don't have to go to all these, these smaller verses, it says, And David had success in all his undertakings, for the Lord was with him. Wow, amazing. Now, we, we see this, but also this was before the Bathsheba incident, okay? This was at his start to rise into, to fame. But here's the deal. You think God was with him when he had an affair with Bathsheba and had her husband killed? No. And because of that, he's told David this, the sword of the Lord will never depart your house. David had to continue serving God knowing this, that he was going to have to seek some punishment for what he did for the rest of his life. And that was through his children. His own son would rise up against him and threaten to kill him and take his kingdom from him. And David cried and and and, and wept wept and, and, and repented for the rest of his life in the Psalm, saying, God, you know, you know, he, I, I gotta have you to get me through this. Second Kings eighteen through seven, it says, And the Lord was with him. This is talking about uh, Hezekiah. It says, Wherever he went out, he prospered. Why? Because the Lord was with him. said he rebelled against the king of Assyria and would not serve him. So, prospering or having God's favor is is tied to us obeying him. It's tied to us obeying him. Like I said, but it can't be disconnected from the will of God and what he's trying to accomplish. The second thing is the key to the presence of the Lord is obedience. Okay? So, the key to prospering is the presence of the Lord... But the key to the presence is obedience. Second Chronicles 17.3 The Lord was was with Jehoshaphat. Why? Because he walked in the earlier ways of his father David. He did not seek the Baals. In other words, the other gods. He sought Jehovah God. He he renounced the, the the gods of the world and the ways of the world. And if you read the Bible and if you watch the kings, every time the kings would return to God, there was blessings and there was there was uh, provision and there was God's anointing. But every time they would turn to other gods and be- begin to bring in marry foreign women who worshiped other gods, who brought this stuff with them, said God's favor would turn away. And then all of a sudden they're getting ransacked by all the enemies around them and, 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 you know, and, and it's just not, they're not moving forward, they're, being, they're going backwards. If you want to go forward in life, you've got to have God with you. Deuteronomy eleven twenty six through 27 it says, See, I am setting before you t- the, today a blessing and a curse. In other words, choose, choose one or the other. It says, The blessing if you obey the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you today. In Deuteronomy 29, 9, it says, Therefore keep the words of this covenant and do them, that you may prosper in all you do. So God says, If you, wanted, if you want things to go well with you, do what the word of the Lord says. And Paul says this, it'll be of value in this life, but also in the life to come, even more so. Proverbs twenty-eight thirteen it says, whoever conceals his transgressions will not prosper. It says, but he who confesses will obtain, obtain mercy. Oh, and forsake. You know, we, we hear this scripture, you know, uh, you know, confess your faults one to another that you may be healed, but we just don't want to turn from, from them. And we wonder why we're not healed. I've confessed things a million times, you know, and like, well, but I ain't willing to turn from them and wonder why in the heck ain't things going right? Because I'm not willing to to part with those things. I'm looking for temporal mercy. But I'm gonna tell you this too: if you rely upon your own self, you're in trouble. You're in trouble. The, the, every, everything, God created everything that we are geared to seek him and to Run to Him. and to, I mean, it, it, takes, it takes the Holy Spirit to give us the strength to obey. Not only, not only to receive repentance upon salvation, but to receive the grace and the strength that when we hear the Word... See, when we read this Word, we're not just reading this Word for a to-do manual. We're reading this Word so that we can seek to know, so that we can seek to be empowered, so that we can grow in close relationship with God. And until you see that, it'll just be a to-do manual. Until you see that, it'll just be a list of things. You know, the Bible says that in the beginning was God, and, and uh, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. This is Jesus on paper. Jesus was the Word. This is Him, and, and He wants us to, 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 to rely on Him and not look at Him as just, just a bunch of letters in, in a nice order. So the key to the presence of the Lord is obedience. And the key to obedience is what? Anybody got an idea? It's the key to obedience. Faith. Faith is the key to obedience. Ephesians 6, 1 through 3, it says, Children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. It says this is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. So if you honor your mother and father, what does he say? You'll live long in the land. And it will go well with you. It will go well with you. This is a promise. So for, for that to happen, though, I have to have the faith to say, God said it, I've got to believe it. Now, this isn't something I just positively affirmed myself. This is something I read through the inspired scriptures from his word to me to say, you know what, this is what God says, I'm going to believe it. But but for me to believe it, I've got to obey it. Because you can say you believe something, but if you don't believe it, you're not going to do it. And, and, and people all the time say, yeah, I believe in it, I just don't do it. I believe in giving, but I don't do it. Liar! You're lying. You, if you really believed in it, you would do it. Because we're Christians, right? Our our standard response is whatever you want to hear. But but the Bible says, "Whatsoever in the heart comes out, you know, and, and it's revealed through through our lives and, and tells people what we do." So, Colossians three twenty-two through twenty-five. Bond servants, obey. This is bond servants. This isn't you know, prosperity people that have big mansions and Cadillacs and all the other stuff. These are people that are servants. And this is God's word to them. It says, Obey in everything those who are your earthly masters. Not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart. Fearing who? The Lord. So what is he saying here? Because this is, this is where we get in trouble. We respond out of our fear of man. You see, there's a, you know, we we go to work and we're like, we don't want to be called, you know, a, a, a rear end kisser or whatever. So we like whatever. But the Bible says this is that when you work, whatever you do, you do it as unto the Lord because you fear the Lord. But see, you can go to work and you can fear man, but say I'm doing it because I fear the Lord, and it, and it not be true. But you know in your heart. But the Bible says to do things well because you fear the Lord. Because when we fear man over the Lord, we get in trouble. Because man has limited resources in which to help you. But God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. God is, is provident. God is, God is in charge. God, God is the ruler of this world. God is the of the kingdom of God. And God. So God is the one that we need to fear and that we need to rely on. The Bible says that the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. And so we need to fear the Lord. It says, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ, for the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done, and there is no partiality. So God says, work as unto the Lord, and you will be rewarded for it. Hebrews 3, 18-19. It says, and to whom did he swear that they would not enter His rest. And this is God talking about the the children of Israel coming into the promised land. It says, "And And to whom did He swear that they would not enter His rest, but to those who were disobedient? In other words, they did not do what God told them to do. But why? It says, So we see that they were unable to enter because of why? Unbelief. They didn't obey because they did not believe. They didn't obey because they did not believe. They did not believe, they didn't obey, and they did not enter the promised land of God because they didn't believe and they didn't obey. And so when we believe something, when we, when we have the faith to believe, it shows through what we do in response to that. And I'll show you in a moment in Hebrews. But you can't do what you don't believe. And so we see this, the key to prospering is the presence of the Lord. The key to the presence of the Lord is obedience. The key to obedience is faith. And so what is the key to faith? Anybody got a clue? Romans 10, 17. Faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. So if we want God's presence to be with us in this life, then we need to obey What we believe in faith that we receive from what? The Word of God. How important is it that we read the Word of God? How important is it that we read the Word of God instead of waste our time on every other foolishness out there? Now, I'm not telling you you've got to read so many hours a day of the Word, but I'm going to tell you this. Until you read the Word, until you fall in love with the Word, until you see the Word is just... Just a book with words in it. Until you see this, that this is the, the inspired Word of God that God wants to put in your life so that you can get to know Him and come into fellowship with Him and walk with Him and Him be a part of your life, it's not going to be an important thing to you in your life. But God wants us to rely on Him through His Word. Hebrews 13, 20-21, it says, Now may the God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus the God that brought our Lord Jesus from the dead, who has all this power. It says, The great shepherd of the sheep from the blood of the eternal covenant. It says, May he equip you with everything good that you may do his will. It says, Working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever. Amen. So, God wants to work through you. So, what I'm saying is, here is it takes him to equip us to do His will, so that's what I'm saying. This is more the oh oh my kids are acting up. What do I do? What do I do? What do I do? No, it's more than that. When we read this, we say, "God, give us the strength, give us the ability, Lord, to overcome our flesh and our own foolishness." God, give me the grace to equip me to do what this word says. Do you see? It's not like building a dead gum washing machine, step one, step two. This is more than just reading a manual. It's not just a manual. This is a relationship between us and God. And God says, read this, rely on me, rely on my presence, rely on me to help you do what I've called you to do in this world. And we can't turn this into about us, it's got to be about Him. And we can't make this about this little bitty life that we live. It's got to be about eternity. And it can't be about personal pleasures. It's got to be about souls that are going to be snatched out of the kingdom of hell because we are working with God to build His kingdom and not ours. It's got to be about that. I was looking at Hebrews this morning, then we're going to close. Hebrews chapter 11, and the subtitle is By Faith. I want you to go home and I want you to read this whole chapter this week. But Hebrews chapter 11 says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it, people of old received their commendation. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the Word of God. And then And I'm going to be skipping all through this, okay? By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice, Then came, by faith, chapter in verse 8, By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called out to go to a place that he was to receive an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith he went to live in the land of promise and is a foreign land living in tents. And Isaac and Jacob heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations whose designer and builder is God. By faith herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age since she considered him faithful who had promise. In 13, verse 13 it says this, it says, These all died in faith, not having received the things promised. They didn't receive the total promises of God here on this earth. They didn't receive everything up on this earth. Why? They were looking forward to an eternity with God. Did God move in their lives here? Yes. There were babies born. There were provisions. There were wars fought and won. But you know what? They look beyond this personal, this private little little temporary life into the eternity of what God was going to do in their life. Verse 17. By, by faith Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. Uh, and he who re- had received the promises was in the act of offering up his holy son. 23. By faith, Moses. Listen, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's attic. They were going around killing kids. And you know what? They didn't say, I'm not going to claim this. They were like, God, in my situation, what do I do? What do we do, God? Because there is no hope outside of you. And it says they put him in a little ark in a river infested with Big crocodiles and snakes and all kinds of creatures. And you know what? It said that they put him in that little ark and he just rode right up to where God wanted him because they obeyed God. And God followed through with His promise in a time that seemed so desperate that there was no hope. But we serve a God that we trust no matter the situation. 29, by faith the people crossed the Red Sea as on dry land, But the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, were drowned. In verse 32 it says, And what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, and David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, and were made strong out of weakness... Time would not tell. But let's go on. Mm. Became mighty in war. Put foreign armies to flight. Women received their dead by resurrection. But let's go on. Some were tortured. Refusing to accept release. So that they might rise again to a better life. You see, things weren't going so well in their life. But you know what they knew? Things aren't going well now, but they will get better in eternity. It said, others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were killed with a sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, and mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves in the earth. It says, all of these, though commended through their faith, Did not receive the total promise up front. It says, since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. It pays to obey in this life and the later. Amen? Obey God. Read His Word. Feast upon His Word. You see, it's not about... Like I said, it can't be a to-do manual. It's got to be a total dependence on God and what He says and trying to be godly in this life. See, this is what happens. Our justification, okay... Our right standing with God has nothing to do with anything you've ever done or ever will do because our justification and our salvation is by grace, through faith, in the blood and the work of Jesus Christ. Amen? And see, what we try to do is to say, well, you know, our our works are filthy rags, but let me tell you something, God, by grace, we've been saved through faith so that we would produce not dead works, but good works. And God will reward us for these good works that are a result of us putting our faith in Jesus Christ. He's going to reward us. He's going to bless us for obeying and following Him. But, but that, this life that we live after coming to Christ is called sanctification. It's called God working in us. And we're to cooperate with Him and obey Him. But we have to, not, we have to understand that our works have nothing to do with our place in Jesus They have to do with the work that Jesus has called us to do. We've got to disassociate those two things. They're a part of one another, but they're separate instances. So when we fall, we can't say, oh, Jesus doesn't love me anymore. The Bible says that go back to where you had fallen, repent, and do the works that you did at once. Amen? But know this, that when we do mess up, the Bible says that we have an advocate, and he's sitting at the right hand of the Father. So quit, don't let Satan say, oh, you ruined it, you screwed up. Say, no, I'm, God forgive me. I repent and continue to trust and obey because there is no other way to be happy in Jesus than to trust and obey. Amen? You remember that song? I've seen that song a million times. It's like one of the only songs I can actually sing without hearing the music to, you know? But I'm going to tell you, people, we, we have got to be people of the Word. Not people of the Facebook, not people of the knucklehead, not people of the online. We've got to read the words. And we've got to, we got to read all the Scripture, because all Scripture is breathed out by God for reproof, correction, for training in righteousness, that the man may be complete. Amen? Let's be complete people. Let's, whether we're in prison or whether we're, you know, whether we're running the palace, it don't matter. Let's be people of the word that obey God, knowing this that godliness is good for today and it's good even more so for eternity. Amen? So, what say you today? You're going to blow the dust off your Bible and begin to read it? You're going to say, God, I'm going to begin to trust you in my life? Say, God, I'm going to quit sitting here and naming it and claiming it and saying some positive things like a Buddhist monk. And I'm going to start reading the Bible and say, God, what do you want me to do today in my life? And so as our brother comes and plays some sweet music, what is the Holy Spirit saying to you today? Let me ask you something. Are there areas in your life where you're not allowing God to speak into your lives? Are there areas in your lives where you say, you know what, I'm just going to have a positive mentality that this is going to work out, but I'm not going to do what God's asked me to do. What is the Holy Spirit saying to you today? Do you need to become a giver and trust God with your finances? Do you need to begin to love your wife as the Christ loved the church and gave Himself for it? He died for it. Do you need to be a wife who loves and supports and submits to your husbands? Do y'all need to become one? Do you need to begin to train your kids up in the admonition of the Lord so that when they grow old, they will not depart from it? What do you need to obey today in your life to see God come through in your life? And knowing this, that it's not just about now, it is for eternity. What is the Holy Spirit saying to you today? So as everyone stands up to their feet, Please respond today to what the Holy Spirit is saying. It could, be, it could be so many things. It might be, Lord, I need to read my word. But whatever it is that the Holy Spirit is impressed in your heart today, I pray that you just come to the altar simply and say, Lord, today I just usually to obey you in this area of my life. So as Charissa leads us in a, in a song, y'all come.